Hi friends, I'm Erin from Whalen Farms and Erin Whalen Online, and this is a podcast about my family's homesteading journey. From an urban farm in Washington State to 100 plus acres in Tennessee, this is our journey of how we got to where we are and how we are building our homestead from the ground up. Well, hello friends. It is a beautiful fall day here in West Tennessee. We have been enjoying the cooler weather and everything that comes with it. I know we've touched on a lot of home stuff lately and kind of preparing our home for the holiday and winter season, but today we're moving outdoors and we're gonna cover how to prepare the homestead um, for fall and winter. And you know, this is obviously going to vary depending on how many animal use you have. Maybe you just have gardens and you're gonna want to keep some of those going through the winter time. It all just kind of depends. So we're just gonna do a broad covering over all of it. And I hope that some of this will be new to you, that you'll glean some tips and tricks maybe. And that if you have anything that you would like to add, make sure you're following me over on Instagram, Aaron underscore Waylon underscore online. Let me know there. I like to talk back and forth in my message messages and um and share some of the things that you guys like to do or even you know in the comments underneath the podcast um what you guys feel is important this time of year to prep for outdoor stuff um last year here we had a really cold winter like a i would say not winter but a cold like three or so weeks december beginning of january which it was actually quite colder than normally here. Now we come from the Pacific Northwest. I always tell people here when they say, oh, it's supposed to be a hard winter. I was like, well, you know, we dealt with negative 10 sometimes and four feet of snow. And they're like, oh, okay, well, it's not like that. Um, because our winters, you know, over in the Pacific Northwest, Eastern Washington were fairly cold. I almost, I want to say they've already had frost or been very close to freezing already this year. Um, and I think the coldest we've gotten here, I think we were in the low 40s and I don't think it's supposed to freeze anytime soon which again is one of the reasons we moved here is because we like the longer seasons because I wanted an extended growing season for my garden but it does still get cold and you don't want to be left not preparing and then having something bad happen or having a worse winter or harder winter than is anticipated and you're just kind of stumbling to figure out what to do because you did not prepare. So that's definitely not something we we want to do. That's something we did deal with last year. And so I'll kind of cover what we dealt with and how we avoided that this year. So when we moved into our house, it obviously needed a lot of work and it was not in the Pacific Northwest. A lot of times they, even if you have a well, they put like the well house is kind of like installed in your house downstairs. Our like well apparatus thing was in our older house um, down in the basement. And my grandma, I guess she did have a well house, but I forgot that she used to heat her well house um, because generally, obviously, you're going to keep it in your home in the basement because it's going to be warmer there than outside and well houses have a tendency to freeze, which we experienced <laughs> last winter. So the well house, when we moved in here, did not even have a door on it. Like no door to the well house. It might have been insulated, I don't know, 20 years ago when they made it, but most of it had fallen off and was not, it was not insulated well at all. And then the under part of our house, so you know how they ha usually have, I'm gonna say it wrong, but there's like the strip that, cause our house is on bricks. It's an older house, it's on bricks. It doesn't have like a concrete foundation. And so usually, usually you have some lattice or some kind of closure around those bricks that you can pull off. There's a name for that. I don't know what it is right now. But our house, we didn't have that in the back. So all of our pipes and stuff, which are on the back of our house, were completely exposed to elements. Looking back, 
we probably should have been a bit more prepared, but I think we were still in shock with the whole move and everything that we were doing and trying to prevent our house not falling down and all the issues that we had to a leaking bathroom and stuff, that it was just so much that our heads just constantly felt like they were spinning anyhow. And so to add any, we just like, we were running around bumping into walls is basically what was happening. <laughs> and so uh, we were not prepared when the really, really cold weather hit. And so the first thing I would say in any farm, any house, even if you don't have a farm, protect your water supply. Um, and so the water is obviously the lifeblood of a home. It's the lifeblood of a homestead. You can go without food for a few days. You cannot go without water for an extended period of time, especially if you have larger animals like cattle and stuff who require gallons of water a day. So water is something that we need to make sure is readily available and protected. So one of the ways to do that, which we should have done, is insulating our pipes. <laughs> we did not do that because we figured, well, this house is super old. If it should have been done, it would have been done. And if the well house needed a door, it'd have a door. Uh, no. Nope, that's not how that works. And so the very first really hard coal that we had here, our pipes froze. And they thought pretty quick and we're like, we should take care of this. But then other things were happening and it got colder and it got colder. And looking back, you guys, it was totally our fault. But Travis was working long hours. I didn't know how to do it. And we just weren't prepared. And so they froze hard um, when our family came over for Christmas from Washington. And we had um, Christmas on paper plates and we had no water. So we had bottled water and we were flushing the toilet with um, five gallon buckets filled with water at my parents house that were brought over here and they were also had to turn off the water to one of their bathrooms because their pipes froze too so we learned the hard way <laughs> not fun oh and then when the pipes came back on obviously a lot an issue you can have is you will have busted pipes as the um, it expands and contracts the ice in the pipes and they are old pipes and so we turned the water on and it flooded underneath the bathtub in the bathroom water everywhere it was it was a good time would not recommend no so what you do is you insulate your pipes and you use heat tape and so the heat tape is actually really cool I got it on Amazon you can do it for all different kinds of pipes you can do it obviously in your barn or anything else you can crawl under your house and we did it in there and then on top of that we covered it with foam insulation over the heat tape and so the heat tape has a wire that runs through it that heats it and you plug it into you know some sort of cord and you plug it into the wall and then you just plug it in and you can keep it on all winter long you can plug it and unplug it depending on the weather um, I think once it gets cold enough we're just going to plug it in and just keep it plugged in um, throughout the whole winter season so we don't forget and accidentally not plug it in when we need to um, and then for troughs and things like that, you can get trough warmers there. You just plop them in the troughs. You can plug them in. That works really well, too. Um, and then extra water because you always if so, like our our well will stop working if um, the power goes out because it's powered by. The electricity and so if we don't have electricity our well stops working and we don't have water a lot of times I think if you're on city I think you'll still get water but it'll just be cold it won't heat it up but we don't get water at all so one of the main things especially for large animals is to have additional water troughs filled and ready not that you have to heat all of them and keep all of them but it is so nice to have additional water troughs even if they freeze and you don't use them like they're sitting there and they have extra water in them so if you need to break them or if you need to do something there is that water there that you have 
that you can have access to. You can also have rain barrels that are collecting water off of your roof, um, and these can be used for water for animals, or you can fill up buckets to flush toilets with or whatever. These are just things that you need to sit down with your spouse and talk through all of the complications and problems that could arise in the winter time and how you can best prepare and avoid those, um, especially with water. And so we are now going to move on to chickens because I know I've got a ton of people in here who have chickens, love chickens, and are concerned with chickens in the wintertime. And truthfully, you guys, I'm going to say that chickens have more of a harder time. Oh, hold on, that's my bread timer. Okay, I'm back. Chickens tend to have a harder time, honestly, with extreme heat versus extreme cold. And I know that chickens are usually like the gateway animal for a lot of homesteaders or there's something that people can have even in the city and so they're one of those animals with, that you first get and you have your first like full year experience with they're very easy keepers and so in the winter time the best thing for them is clean fresh bedding because they do spend more time indoors because the chickens don't love snow our outdoor area at this house with our chicken coop is completely covered. I did that because one, the mud here is insane. Two, I wanted them to have access to shade all the time and where their coop is, there was no like trees shade around them that would hit the coop. So um, I wanted them to have continual shade and um, it was because they don't like snow and bad weather and rain. They're not like huge fans. And so I have it completely covered so that no matter what the weather, they can be outside. So make sure that at least partially part of your outdoor area is covered so that they can escape the snow and some of the crummy weather that can really um, mess up, mess with their feet and things like that. Also, um, yeah, so indoors, keep it as nice as possible. You're going to be cleaning the shavings. I use shavings versus hay. I find it's less messy. Um, I've seen people put sand down first and then shavings on top or then hay on top so you can rake it out easier and the poop doesn't stick to the bottom. There's so many different creative ways, but at the end of the day, it's continually cleaning it every few weeks depending on how many animals are in there so that it doesn't stink like ammonia you don't have respiratory issues because it's gross in there and um and it just keeps them cleaner the cleaner their bedding is and everything obviously the cleaner the eggs are going to be the cleaner the, ch the cleaner the chickens are going to be etc etc um, and then when they have fresh bedding, that allows them to stay warm. That's some insulation. So uh, we will put down thicker bedding in the winter time. We'll put down more of it so that they can be down in bed, especially because we have ducks. Um, they obviously can't fly and roost. And so we give them a huge amount of bedding so they can really snuggle up and tuck themselves in there. Um, I know a lot of people use heat lamps, and I'm here to tell you, you do not need to do that. That is an extreme risk in your coop for fires. Um, I know one of our neighbors had a coop fire. We lived beside a um, volunteer firefighter, and he had been to several coop fires. Every year, he went to several coop fires because people are using, and chickens fly, they smack things down, they hit stuff, they break things. So honestly, to me, there's not really a secure way to put a heater in a coop, and generally you guys they don't need it as much as we're fearful of them in the winter time with frostbite they don't need it they are going to be okay as long as you keep them give them access to water make sure that you have a water heater in their water if it freezes they have a good spot to go outside and they have nice clean fresh bedding 
Besides that, they are going to be solid. I had chickens in Washington State and it was got to negative eight, negative 10 sometimes and they were still okay in there. I didn't actually deal with any frostbite on my chickens. Um, it was really cold here one winter and the rooster, he got a little bit of frost, frostbite on... Um, on the comb on top of his head and um, it was kind of a darker color for a while but it actually healed and he's completely fine now and I never had any issues with their feet I have guineas as well I no issues with them either they all went through the winter really really well um, and another thing that is kind of controversial it can you can totally decide what to do there's there's not really a right and a wrong, but um, we do not provide artificial light in our coop at all. I feel like it disrupts their natural um, wake and sleep cycles. Um, and it can also lead, I feel like, to stress and even decreased egg production. Now, normally you you the it's been said that you keep the light on so that they continue to produce eggs. But I feel like when you mess with the natural rhythm of things, it just doesn't work out well. And honestly, like I used to put lights in the coop and now I don't put lights in the coop and I really have not seen a difference in egg production. The biggest thing for egg production in the wintertime is to make sure they're consistently getting enough protein and just to know that they, they're just not. Even with artificial light, you are not gonna get as many eggs. You can sort of trick a bird as far as seasonality goes, but you're not going to fully trick them. They Their bodies know what time of year it is that knows when it gets light and it gets dark, even with additional artificial light. And you're just going to have a reduced number of eggs. And there's a lot of different ways to keep eggs. So if you're having um, chickens, I'm not going to cover it in this episode, but if you have chickens that are producing a lot of eggs and you, you want to store those so you can use them throughout the winter months when their production goes down, there are multiple ways to do that. You can Google it. You can Pinterest it. Several different ways to where you can save those eggs for use all year long and not have to resort to going to the store and purchasing eggs if that's not, you know, if you don't want to do that. So again, no heat in the coop just clean bedding I don't use lights on the outside area we do have some natural solar lights um, that pop on but that's mostly for us so we can look out to the coop and it's lit around so we can just keep an eye on predators foxes things like that we do, we do lock them completely into the chicken coop at night so that the even the little coop door is shut and they can't access their outdoor area because we have had issues with raccoons going in and climbing the fences and so and foxes, I mean, so many different things. And especially in the wintertime, animals, wild animals are going to get a lot more aggressive towards your chickens and just towards cats, outdoor cats, like any kind of small animal because food is scarce, they're hungry, it's cold. And so they just become more aggressive. This is the time of year when I actually start tucking my chickens in an hour or two before even the sun goes down because the predators will come in Um even before sunset to try to grab them before it gets dark out. So they get braver, I get more cautious. So just think of that, even in town, when I lived in town, um, I had a raccoon kill my duck in the backyard while my dog was at the door barking at it, um, like at 3.30 in the afternoon. So, and that was fall. They just get, they get mean in fall, you guys. It's <laughs> It's just true. Um, and then from there, if you guys have any questions about chickens and stuff, send them my way and I will definitely address more. That's just kind of the overarching the overarching theme of chickens are easy. Don't overcomplicate it. Keep them clean. And as far as large animals go very quickly, which large animals encompasses like goats, sheep, cattle, horses, um, just have a nice area that's 
that they can access that's kind of slip proof, especially for cattle. That's a really big deal. Horses too. They got really long legs and you do not want them falling. So wherever they congregate a lot in the wintertime, um, I know a lot of people who put sand down in that area. They maybe use some pea gravel sort of mixture or even just throw shavings down spots that are really slick or there are puddles. You obviously can't prevent that in all of the pastures and everything going around, but where they hang out a lot and where they're butt up against each other and they could throw a fit or kick out at each other or by each other and someone tries to move quickly to get out of the way there could be an issue there and I've seen so many people's favorite dairy cows fall and do the splits and they just can't they're just so big you guys and their legs are so long that they really can't recover from that so I've seen so many times they've had to be dispatched because you know you just can't fix that and it's so heartbreaking and it's not preventable and these places the people that I saw how this happened to them they were very preventative and they did everything right but that's the thing with animals is that you have to know that even if you do everything right there's still going to be casualties because it's nature and nature is brutal and animals you can't foresee everything they do and they're not always doing what's right just like us we're not always the smartest in our moments of panic and so same goes for the animals Um, but you do what you can um, and prevent you do preventative as much as possible and so Definitely try to make slip proof the area, have great access to water all the time. And then I always say purchase a little bit additional hay as well, um, just because you don't know going into winters how hard it's going to be. You could have a winter where it's colder longer, it gets quick, colder quicker than you thought, and you don't want to run out of hay. It's best to spend that money and get the extra hay and then sell it off in the spring, you know, cheaper, whatever, if you can, or just feed it throughout the summer or try to hold it over depending on how you can store things until next winter. So um, definitely keep those things in mind. And then the other thing I wanted to touch on as well is um, first aid. First aid kits for the homestead are vital. Um, You should have a first aid kit for your family, first aid kit for animals. We kind of keep all of ours (laughs) mixed together. Once we do have a barn, I'll obviously have them separated, but First aid kits are a really great option because even if the vet can't get here in time or you call the vet and they're coming, but your animal's bleeding quite a bit, you need to be able to have bandages, gauze, um, some sterile things to keep them okay until the vet can get there or to problem solve an issue yourself to where you don't have to have the vet come out or maybe the vet can advise you over the phone and you can take care of it yourself. So it's definitely best to be as self-sufficient as possible without having to rely on the vet unless needed and be able to have the things at home to sustain this animal and try to manage whatever issue you're having until the vet can come. And so the best thing for me to do that is I always have written out phone numbers in case your phone dies because there's no power and you lose service on your phone and you need to be able to go to a landline from somewhere and call someone um, or you know a myriad of other issues. I have phone numbers in there. You need the phone number for your vet in there, um, emergency phone numbers, phone number contacts for your family or your friends if you don't have them memorized um, or that if you are not available and something has even happened to you that your family has access to, everyone knows where these things are and they're accessible to all of them. So I keep the phone numbers in with our first aid kit. I also keep the sterile gauze, pads, bandages. Um, if you've been to the animal feed store, you know like the bandages that stick to themselves and wrap around and around. And I have bandaged scissors. I also have um, like staplers instead of a suture, like staples. If there's an emergency and I need to staple something shut, animal staples, you can actually use it on people too, which I am not opposed to doing if need be. Obviously, antibiotic ointment, hydrogen peroxide, tweezers and scissors, disposable gorillas, a thermometer, um, hoof picks and ointments if needed. Again, the elastic bandages, 
vet wrap, I guess is maybe what it should be called. Iodine solution, large dressings and sterile pads, saline solution, and then pain relief and anti-inflammatory medications. Whenever I take my animals to the vet, I always try to get as much of the medications as I can as possible, give the animal the least possible and maintain and save the rest. I probably shouldn't be making this on <laughs> on some public forum here where everybody has access to it, but I always try to keep, I mean, I would never allow my animals to be in pain. So I give them, I manage their pain as much as needed. And then if I have any additional medication left over, I save that so that if there is an emergency or it's Saturday or it's Sunday and I don't want to call the emergency vet and have to go all the way into town and pay $1,000 additional instead of waiting for my vet on Monday, that I can manage things myself. Now, I did work at a vet clinic for seven plus years. So I do have more medical knowledge for animals, probably than the typical standard person. But honestly, just be vested in researching pro- like issues that animals have, issues of animals that you have, their issues and things that happen very routinely to them so that you are informed and you have the supplies needed if those things were to arise. Obviously, again, you can't, you know, read you, you can't exactly know what's going to happen, but you can prepare as much as possible. Um, and so I always just, I hoard medications and I have all of them over there and I know how to use them. Um, and so I have them in case we need them. Um, and so I think that's kind of it. Honestly, like you will have to go through a winter to help prepare you for the next winter until you actually live through one. Um, there's just going to be, and even multiple ones, every year you learn something else. That's the thing about homesteading and farming and all of the things is you're never going to exactly, you just become a really good problem solver. <laughs> I guess that's the easiest way to say it is you learn how to think quickly in sticky situations and make stuff work. Um, and you get really good at it after a few years. And so especially if you're on year one or year two of having animals and there is some apprehension there, seek someone out in your community that lives semi-close to you and ask them, hey, listen, I see you have animals. Is there is there a way that if an emergency, I could have your number to, to call you? Could you help me problem solve these things? I'm a beginner. You know, put yourself out there because a lot of times, like even me, I love animals and I love when other people love animals. And if they have animals that are in distress and need help, I would 100% go over there and try to help them if needed and problem solve this with someone else. And sometimes you just need two people. Sometimes you need four hands. Animals are wiry, wrangle. I mean, it's hard to wrangle them in. I mean, they they move and they squirm and they fight because they don't understand a lot of time, especially when they are in pain. And so sometimes you just need an extra set of hands. And so have someone that you know that lives relatively close that you that would be okay with coming over and helping you with an issue if it was to arise. Um, So I hope that wasn't super complicated. I hope that feels very doable. Um, Again, and preventing preventative measures are just going to be a game changer in a time of emergency and in a sticky situation. So that is it for today. I did have an issue like another episode I know what I'm doing the next episode. I just wrote it down and I don't have it with me, so I can't remember at the moment, but um, it's going to be good. 
because I said so. Um, so anyhow, you guys, thank you for being here today. Thank you for listening. Um, if you can, go ahead and drop a five star on this. Maybe leave a review if you like it. And if this is helpful to you and you have find found it that it's a good resource, send it to a friend who also may need um, some prep for the winter months. And I will speak to you guys next week.